You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. If you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you feel free to use one of our pew Bibles. Those pew Bibles are there to be sent out. They're not to stay in the, the holders there. So if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift as a church to you. If you don't own a Bible and you would like a Bible, that is yours. Our prayer for these Bibles is that they don't stay here, that they're sent out. And so that's our gift uh, to you to say thank you uh, for, for being here. And if you need a Bible, you can have that. Turn to Luke chapter 10 in that pew Bible if you're using it. Uh, the page is 567. I know the print is small, but they're used to be there for gifts. So Luke chapter 10, we're going to be starting in verse 1. If you have kids, you probably know that there is a sense of urgency all the time, right? We live in urgency a lot, even in our lives. Like if I was to say right now, let's just stop the sermon now. And we're all going to head either to McDonald's or Culver's here on State Line, and we're just going to go get ice cream. I don't think I'd have to say it twice, would I? We would probably just get up and we'd all head over to Culver's. We'd go right away, wouldn't we? Right? You're like, you don't want to hear me speak for too much, too much longer. So you would say, yeah, let's go get ice cream. That's better than listening to you, Adam. So we would all head out to Culver's and we would do that. There would be a sense of urgency. Last summer, we had a moment of sense of urgency in our family. Seth, uh, our two-year-old, hadn't quite turned two. We were playing in our driveway, and he has this little scooter that he can sit down on and uh, have his legs off to the side, kind of Fred Flintstone style, if you remember the Flintstones, and he could pedal himself. Well, he got going on our sidewalk out front of our house, got off our driveway on the sidewalk, and just got going too fast. And he fell headfirst and put his chin into our concrete sidewalk. Seth is our daredevil of our family. Um, last year when we were on our mission trip to Colorado, uh, Mary Lane said that he was standing on our couch and just dived headfirst off the back of our couch onto our hardwood floor. That is Seth. He is our daredevil. And so when Seth put his chin into the concrete... Uh, almost two years old, there was blood everywhere, mom was having a hard time, um, and so I had to be the hero, right, and just swoop in there and take him, and I had blood on my shirt. I mean, it was great. It was one of those moments, those dad moments, right? I had blood on me, my son's bleeding, I'm a hero. So what did I say to Mary Lane? I said, go get April, is what I said. April Mitchell is a friend of ours. They live across the street, and she's a nurse. I said, go get April. So April came across the street, and she looked at uh, Seth's chin and said, you need to take him to the emergency room to get stitches. And it was just madness for about an hour. And then we got home, got him stitched up. He got three stitches in his chin. When we got home, and what happened? He was right back on that scooter again, right, right there again. He ended up pulling his stitches out himself two days later, and there was blood everywhere. I mean, it was, just, it, was just, it was just fun. When you have a child, if you're a parent, and you have to take them to the emergency room, there is a sense of urgency. You've got to get your child to the emergency room. You got to make it happen now. My dad is an emergency room nurse. My brother, when he was five, split his head open. My dad just stitched him up at home. 
My dad said, we're not even going to go sit in the emergency room. We're just going to take care of it. Why? There's a sense of urgency when someone's hurt. When ice cream is mentioned, there is a sense of urgency. Well, as we, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, we are called to live our lives with a sense of urgency. Because one, life is extremely fragile. Life is extremely short. The Bible teaches that life is just a vapor. It's there and it's gone. So as followers of Jesus, as believers in Jesus, we are called to live our lives with a sense of urgency. And Jesus taught his disciples that. Because here in Luke chapter 10, what had been going on uh, previously, Jesus had commissioned his 12 disciples to go out. He gave them authority over demons and to heal diseases. Then Jesus fed the 5,000, and then Jesus is transfigured, and we see the power of Jesus over demons. But all of a sudden, in Luke chapter 10, something changes in his relationship with his disciples and with his followers. See, in Jesus' ministry leading up to this point, it had been all about Jesus. Now listen, it should be all about Jesus. It should be all about Jesus. But Jesus was the one performing the miracles. Jesus was the one healing the disease, the people with diseases. He was casting out demons. Now it's shifting to where he is sending his disciples out to do his work. And that would make sense. Because one person in Jesus, now obviously we understand the doctrine of who Christ is, that he was God in the flesh, and so he could have done anything, right? So just just put that thought off to the side and follow with me. Just take the human side of it with Jesus. One person to reach the multitudes of people there in Israel, it just wouldn't have been effective. So what Jesus did was he mentored 12 disciples, and then even more than that, we're going to see he sends 72 people out. He mentors them, and then he sends them out. What's Jesus doing? He's multiplying himself. Jesus multiplies himself to send these these disciples, these followers out, and he's going to send them out to do his work to make the kingdom of God known, to spread the good news of Jesus, the gospel. So look here at Luke chapter 10, it's page 567 in your pew Bible, and look at verse 1. After all these things Jesus had been doing, all these miracles that Jesus had been, been performing to prove who he was, Jesus says here in verse 1, it says, After this the Lord, that's Jesus, appointed 72 others. He sent them ahead of them in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So Jesus appoints 72 other disciples to send them out. Now, how he appointed them, how he chose them, we don't know. 
But apparently they were trustworthy enough to go out into the villages to go and to spread the gospel. And as he's sending them out, he kind of gives them some marching orders like a general or a commander would, and he gives them a reminder. He says, first, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. See, we saw this just a couple weeks ago as we were talking about invite your one, as we as church are wanting to be unleashed to spread the gospel, that Jesus said this in, in John. He also said this in Matthew. He said the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. But Jesus had told his disciples that he was moved with compassion. And we talked about that compassion is what motivates us as believers to spread the gospel. But the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. The harvest is abundant, that this harvest is ready to, to, be take, to, to take place. It's ready to be harvested. When I was in high school, my first job, my parents uh, live in Buckner, Missouri. And so out there in Buckner, there's a little town called Sibley. And there was an orchard there that my parents knew. So when I was in the ninth grade, my first job that summer was I got a job working at Dobson's Orchard. And we had, uh, we, there was peaches out there, there was pears, apples in the fall. It was, it was a neat opportunity to work out there. And then we also uh, got to know him because then we could deer hunt uh, and during the orchard time. And so I think my dad had some uh, ulterior motives there. And so anyway, uh, my dad wasn't a hunter, but to connect other friends of his that were hunters. And so we, we would go, I would go out there and work in this orchard. And when those peaches, especially in the summer, would grow, they would grow so heavy to where the branches would almost break. You had to get the fruit off of the branches because peach trees are very fragile. And so they would break. So we had to get everything, good or bad, off of the trees so that the, the branches would not, would not snap and would not break. Well, the idea here that Jesus gives to his disciples is the harvest is abundant. People need to go out and get the fruit, harvest it. It's abundant. But then he says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, the key phrase here is verse 3. Look at that with me again. He says, verse 3, now go. Now go. There's a sense of urgency because here's what happens. In our human minds, when, when we want something, urgency is justified. When we're hungry, we eat, right? Because we feel like, okay, I have to take care of this physical need. We have to hurry. We need to eat. When we need something as human beings, our human beings, our urgency is justified. We feel good about that urgency. But isn't it funny, but when God commands something, we rationalize timing. When God says, I want you to go... Share your faith with your coworker. What do we do? We rationalize timing. Well, God, the timing's got to be right. 
We, we ha- the, the timing has to be right. I have to be ready to do this. And we, we start to rationalize it out. Or if God tell, calls us to give something to somebody and we're, we're called to be generous and we say, well, you know, God, once I can get my checking account or my savings account up to a certain level, then I can give to someone. I can be generous. Or, or God calls us to be hospitable and have people into our home. Well, you know, I have home remodeling projects going on, God, and my house is completely put together, or my house isn't clean, and so I can't have people over. And we do that. We do that. We justify, when it comes to God, we, we rationalize by timing. When we want something, we justify it with urgency. That's just human nature. Well, Jesus here, he calls his 72 followers, he calls them together, and he says, now go. He doesn't say when you feel like it or when you've built up the courage or you're ready to get out of your comfort zone. No, he says, now go. Go. Now go. And there's an urgency there. If we were in a situation, anyone here ever worked as a lifeguard before? Anyone in a lifeguard? Okay, we have a couple lifeguards here. Okay, that's good. That makes me feel good. In case something happens to me, someone can run up here and give me CPR. And I know we have a couple of nurses out in our, our church as well. If someone was drowning, urgency would take care of. I mean, it would take over if someone was drowning. No one would argue with that. Why? Because life is at stake. That person's about to, to drown. Rescue is urgent because if someone's about to die, it's an urgent, it's an urgent issue. Because we understand how fragile life is and how life can be taken like that, we as followers of Jesus must have urgency. There's urgency. We have to share the gospel with urgency. There's other times of that, other examples of that in Scripture. The word now is used over and over in the New Testament. Let me show this to you. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. The Apostle Paul is preaching and he's sharing the gospel. And 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, Paul says, Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Paul shares with those he's preaching to. He says, now's the day of salvation. Now, don't put it off. Don't rationalize timing. Now is the day of salvation. In the Old Testament, we see this. Joshua 24, verse 15. We're confronted with a choice. The people of Israel were confronted with a choice. They said, worship the true God or the God we create. Worship. We're confronted with a choice. And here in Luke 10, verse 3, Jesus says, now go. He makes it clear. When it comes to sharing the gospel with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our families, the win is always now. So we can ask ourselves, when should I share my faith? When should I talk to my family member that doesn't know Jesus? The win is always now with the gospel. And we have to have a level of urgency. Jesus also says here, we talked about this just a minute ago, look again at verse 2 of Luke 10. 
He says the harvest is abundant. So when it comes to thinking like missionaries, we saw in Matthew that we are to have a mindset of compassion. That Jesus, when he looked on the multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion. That we have to have an expectation of compassion in our lives. We're supposed to have an expectation of urgency. But we also have to have a, a, an expectation of expectation. That something is going to happen. Because Jesus says the harvest is abundant. Jesus is saying to expect big things. To expect big things. So when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to inviting, do we expect God to do big things? God wants to have big things happen. So do we want great things, big things to happen? You say, Adam, does God really do big things? Does God still really do great things? Yes, because the need is great. Because Jesus says the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So the need is great. So we can expect great things. And so Jesus sends out approximately 70 followers, or really what these people were like. They were just volunteers. They had followed Jesus for a period of time. They obviously believed in who Jesus was. I'm sure that was a prerequisite to be sent out by Jesus, was to believe in who he was. And he sent out, and it's, what's interesting here is that the 12 disciples of Jesus, they are mentioned by name. We teach our kids that maybe in Sunday school or in kids' worship. We teach them the 12 disciples. But here, these 72 people are not mentioned. They're called others here in the Christian Standard Bible. So that means that there was really nothing special about these people. He sent out 72 others, everyday men and women. And he sent them ahead of him in prayers to every town and place where he himself was, was to go. And faith family, here's the reality how sometimes we can think. And you say, Adam, how do you know this? Because this is how I used to think. Sometimes we think that we have to be professional clergy in order to share Jesus. That we have to go to seminary, which believe me, seminary, is, it's a dry place to be. I've been there. It's a dry desert. It's good, but it's a dry desert to wander around in for a few years. And we think we have to go to seminary or we have to be highly educated in order to share Jesus and to reach people with the gospel. But when we look at what Jesus is doing here in Luke chapter 10, and then you look at the spread of the church, the early church in the New Testament, the reality is we're all ministers. We're all called to be ministers. Ministers. So whether we get name recognition from ministry is not important. The best, the best ministry is done by nameless people, nameless saints proclaiming Jesus. And as we see what happens, go down now to verse 17. Because Jesus sent them out and they return. Let's see what happened in verse 17. It says, The 72 returned with what? Joy. 
The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So Jesus brings these 72 people in. He appoints them. He sends them out. They come back and they return with what? Joy. Excitement. Result in us is we get something. We get joy. We get joy as we go. If we're faithful in what Christ is calling us to do, we get joy. We get results because even the demons submit to us in your name. So there was results. And they see this and they're they're filled with joy. And so here's another reality that we have to understand is that the Christian life is not to be drudgery. It's not supposed to be boring. It's to be full of joy. And so if you are experiencing not joy in your Christian life, go. Spread the gospel. Understand Jesus, what he has done, and spread that with other people because you will return with joy, with that urgency. There's other examples of this in 1 John 1 through 8 through 10. Forgiveness follows confession immediately and without conditions. So as we share Jesus and people understand that they receive forgiveness, that they'll, have, they'll confess the name of Jesus without conditions and they'll be saved. So then like we said, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, now is the day of salvation. And we're at spiritual war because here what was happening during this day, and during this day, there was demon possession was very common. Now, we may not see much demon possession in our culture, though I do believe it's real. That's a topic for another time. But I do believe that sometimes we as um, evangelical Americans, sometimes we have a tendency to uh, just ignore spiritual warfare, and it's very, very real. And we're at war. There is a, a cosmic war going on right now. There's a war going on right now, and it's, it's when well, you say, what's, what's it over? It's for glory, is what it's for. It's for fame. So what's happening right now, there's a cosmic war going on between Satan and God for glory. God is revealing himself. God is, is trying to make himself known to the world so people can know him. And Satan, the evil one, is doing everything he can to stop it. That's why we see the state of our culture and our world today. Satan is trying to rob God of glory. Whenever there is a war, there's urgency. Do we have anyone here that lived during World War II? I don't see uh, Jim Evans here. Um, Jim Evans is our World War II vet. Okay, we have some. Some of you might have been kids during World War II, may not remember. But what happened during World War II? There was a sense of urgency in our country. Now, many of us, most of us, remember 9-11 unless you were born there. Some of our students, some of our kids, it's, it's unbelievable. They don't remember 9-11. Like, that's, that just doesn't compute. But after 9-11, September 11th, 2001, there was a sense of urgency in our country. It didn't last very long, but there was a sense of urgency. Churches were packed. I remember it. 
people were like, oh my goodness, we need to turn to God. And they were all, you know, hyper about these things. There was a sense of urgency. Because why? We were a country that had been attacked. We were at war. World War II, there's a sense of urgency. Whenever there is a war, a country, the attitude of a nation changes. There's urgency. But we as believers in Jesus Christ, we are right in the middle of a spiritual war. But we don't live like it. We don't live with a sense of urgency. We live of, oh, life's good. We have this mindset that the Christian life is this nice, peaceful, maybe utopic experience, and it's not. We live in a time of spiritual warfare. Jesus tells his disciples that when he sends them out, that the evil one was going to try to disrupt their plans. Well, when we are at spiritual war, there's a war going on for souls, and we need to be urgent. My grandmother uh, was tell, has told me the story that she remembers as a, as a girl making carrot cookies for the soldiers and they would make, during World War II, and they would make carrot cookies because they would last, they would, they would keep as they would send them over. And just the sense of urgency in the country, and in our country, we as believers, we as a church, have to have urgency. One more thought, and, and, and we're done. You hear around, if you're around here at Leewood, for any period of time now, you hear the word church revitalization. You hear that. And it can be easy for us to ask, what is church revitalization? What is it? Well, like any organization, organizations can get off track. They can lose their purpose. Businesses can lose their purpose. And a church will decline and sometimes even die when they forget why they're there. 88% of churches in the United States are in decline. Why does that happen? Because churches forget why they exist. And somewhere along the line, something became more important than sharing Jesus and seeing lives changed by Jesus. And churches that are revitalized, that are healthy, have a, have a sense of urgency. Of we have to reach the community for Jesus. We're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to call everything out onto the table. We're going to hold everything loosely but Jesus to reach people with him. And everything's called onto the table. Everything's held with an open hand. There's a sense of urgency. Faith family, as we begin to think like missionaries, as we we begin to desire and seek to reach our community with the love of Christ, there must be a sense of urgency. There must be a sense of urgency. So as we leave here today, let's not just go, let's now go as Jesus says here in Luke chapter 10. Pray with me. Jesus, you call us as your followers to go, to now go. And Jesus, I know I am guilty for him hawing around when it comes to 
sharing the gospel. I am known to put it off and procrastinate, and I ask for your forgiveness. And Jesus, I pray that you would give each of us, give me as individuals, a sense of urgency when it comes to sharing the gospel. Help us to be strategic. Help us to be tactful. Help us not to be foolish, but help us to be urgent, to take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us. And God, I pray for us as a faith family corporately. I pray that you would help us to be faithful and obedient in reaching the community with the gospel. Jesus, we want to see you change lives as you've changed ours. So give us a sense of urgency, a sense of expectation that this can happen, that you want to do great and mighty things in our midst. Protect us from the temptation of discouragement. Help us not to be discouraged, but keep us hopeful and expecting, looking to you for the results. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Music